Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. You all can be seated. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful, wonderful Savior. There's none like him. Aren't you glad that when you found him, your search was over? Amen. Amen. He's your all in all, your everything. The only one you need to look for. He's the one we set our hope on, our trust in. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, the outreach team went out yesterday. They went to Englewood Beach, and eight people got saved. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. They prayed for some, in fact, they said it this way, they prayed for some serious needs. You know, there are serious needs out there, and people need Jesus. They need the Word of God. They need prayer. They need the anointing of God. They need the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. You know, this is not just a church thing that we just kind of do and play and just spend our time. You know, the Bible says if you don't draw near to hear, and hear means to obey, if you don't draw near to hear and obey what you hear, then you're just offering up the sacrifice of a fool. Well, you all don't look like fools. Look like we're here with purpose and on purpose to receive from the Lord because only the Lord can change our lives. Amen. If you're depending on them yo-yos and government to change your life, you're in big trouble. Amen. And then the outreach team gave out a lot of their seed cards, and they gave out a lot of material to people to help them to understand, to know the Lord, come to know Him, because that's what it's all about. It's the only reason you're here on earth. You're not here on earth for a vacation. You're not here on earth to get a new car. You're not here on earth to get a new house, although we need those things. But that's not what you're here for. Our purpose is to reach the world, a dying world that's on their way to hell, and to reach them with the good news of the gospel that God holds no sin against anybody. Jesus paid for it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Imagine if somebody came to you and said, Rob, I am not holding your mortgage against you. It's been paid for. And Rob says, that's okay. I'll pay for it myself. That's the voice of a fool. And Rob's not a fool. Rob would say, thank you very much. I accept that. Amen. So if Jesus has already paid the price for your sin, what are you doing carrying it? What are you doing thinking you need to pay for it? Jesus paid for it. You can't pay for it. It's an impossibility. You cannot make up for anything. I don't care if you told a little what they call a little white lie. What is a white lie? Sounds like a racist lie to me. What is that? Have you ever heard of that from people? No, it's a white lie. It's a white. It's not a real. Not a real lie. It's just an exaggeration of the truth, which is a lie. But anyway, well, Jesus paid for it all. I'm so glad that He did. All of it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
And I want to remind you also, September 11th, guess what our mortgage is down to now? $2,509. You'll take care of the nine. So we have somebody on the front row that'll take care of the nine. Anybody else? Anybody else? $2,500 is what the mortgage is down to. So just as well as good as paid. Amen. Amen. So um, if you feel you want to sow an extra seed into that, this is going to probably be your last chance. Because by September, it will be done. And September 11th, we are having a payoff mortgage ceremony. Amen. And just so you know, in case you want to invite anybody, we will not be really teaching much on that day. It's going to be talking about the history of the church. We're going to be showing some pictures and some videos. And we're just going to enjoy the fact that we are debt free. Amen. Amen. It would be a good day to invite people. I can't offend anybody on that day. Amen. Yes. And then there's food afterwards. So who wouldn't want to come to that? And Pastor Nid's cooking all the food. She's taking care of all of the food for everybody. It's all provided. It's all free. You don't have to bring anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So the extra money you're going to pay for lunch, you can put into the building fund. See that? See how that works? It's a win-win situation. Hallelujah. And then that's on September 11th. Then September 12th and 13th, Dr. Jim Willoughby will be with us Monday night and Tuesday night. And we're excited about him being here. He has never been here. Uh, and I've known him for a number of years. What would you say? Yeah, he's from California. So come and support him. He needs support. He's from California. <laughs> uh, so I, I believe you will enjoy his ministry. And he is a blessing. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Would you find your place in Mark chapter 4? There are some things that we talked about last week that I feel needs repeating, and I feel that we need to go into it in a little more depth, because what we talked about last week and this week is one of the most important things you can ever learn from the Word of God in every situation, any situation, no matter what you face, no matter what you deal with. This is the most important thing, and it's the biggest thing your flesh does not want to do. So if you can overcome your flesh in this, you can walk into the place of being a victor. You can walk into a place of success. You can walk into a place of overcomer in everything and anything that you ever deal with. Glory to God. Glory to God. You don't sound too excited about that, but, you know, you may get there. So here in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29, and I think we started here last week. And we'll just continue on down this road. And he was saying the kingdom of God is like. Now, what do we know about when he says the kingdom of God is like? We know that we need to pay attention because we live in the kingdom of God. We're born again. Jesus is Lord of our life. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Sin has been removed from us. Isn't that right? And he's talking about the sin nature. That sin nature, the nature of the devil was removed out of us when we got born again. Praise God. And we took on the nature of God, took on the nature of Father God, and uh, we live in his kingdom. We were translated out of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son, 
And if we're living in the kingdom, it's very important to know how the kingdom operates. There are so many frustrated, discouraged, discontented Christians because they're living in the kingdom of God trying to do things like they did it in the world. And it don't work. It may work for a season because the devil's just trying to suck you back in to doing things like the world. And after a while, there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that road is death, destruction, ruin. It will not work. Amen. So to know how the kingdom of God works is of utmost importance. It is vital to our living in the kingdom to know how the kingdom works. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. And the seed sprouts and grows how he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Hallelujah. We don't know how it grows. But if I sow, it will grow. If I sow, it will grow. How it grows, I do not know. But if I sow, it will grow. So what's your job? To sow. Your job is not to know. Your job is to sow. You do your job, God will do his job. Stop worrying about God's job. I think he's more worried about you doing your job. God will do his job. He's not a man that he would lie. He said if it's sown, it will be grown. He's not a man that he would lie. His word is utmost truth. And therefore, what he says, he hastens over it and watches over it to perform it. If it is sown, it will be grown. So we need to keep the soil, the seed rather, in the soil of our heart. The heart of man is the soil. Okay? Keep the seed in the soil because the soil, it says, produces crops of itself. The soil produces crops of itself. You don't have to do anything. You sow it, sow it, sow it, sow it. It'll grow, it'll grow, it'll grow. The soil will produce crops. If I keep the seed in the soil, the soil will produce the crops. Growing is God's part. Sowing is our part. And then it says in verse uh, 27, he goes to bed by by night and, and sleeps, right, and gets up by day. Well, that's a symbol of time, passing of time. So my part is to sow, and then time passes, and then I'm going to reap because God grows it. So when you sow it and you sleep, sleep is also a symbol of rest. You ever go to sleep at night, wake up and feel like I didn't sleep at all last night? I'm not going to sing the song. You know, but you feel like you didn't sleep at all. Isn't that right? And don't you hate that? Uh, you know you slept all night long, but you wake up in the morning feeling like, I didn't sleep a bit. Why? It could be anxiety. It could be worry. It could be all kinds of things. But sleep is supposed to be a time of rest. The passing of time should be a time of rest, not a time of worry, not a time of anxiety. Amen. The anxiety wants to try to attack your mind. But you got to refuse to take it. 
I will not take that anxiety. I am in the passing of time. I am sleeping. I am resting. And I have sown the seed, and the Lord will grow the seed. You want to attack my mind with anxiety? I'm going to attack you with the Word of God. He said, if I sow it, he will grow it. I know God. He will do what he says. Amen. He will honor his word. It will come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. And we do not have to be worried about it. We do not have to be concerned about it. I'm not even going to try to do God's job. I am resting, and I will be anxiety-free. Amen. So as time passes by, be anxiety-free, resting, sleeping. Why is that important? Why is that important? He goes to bed at night and gets up by day, anxiety-free. Resting without worry because the Bible says that he gives to his beloved even in their sleep. In other words, he's not going to give to you because you're out there trying to make something happen. You're just getting in the way. Get out of the way and let God do what God does. In that position of freedom of anxiety and freedom of worry and that place of resting and sleeping, he can give to you that which you have sown. He'll give to you even in your sleep. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew 13. Thank you, Jesus. It's like a man that casts seed upon the soil. So let's look at the seed being cast upon the soil in Matthew 13, verse 19. The parable of the what? Sower. The most important parable you could ever understand in living in the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. He hears the word and he doesn't understand it. Well, what happens when we start to hear the word? We try to understand it. We try to compute it. We try to figure out what is the word of God really saying to me. And I'm trying to figure out... I'm trying to reason and understand the spiritual word of God by reasoning in my soulish, fleshly mind. Which means I'm depending on the flesh to direct me into the spiritual word of God. That don't work. When I was a kid, well not, not when I was a kid, when I, when I had kids... And I had gotten saved. There was that verse of scripture that says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. Okay. So I would take that. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart. You know what I spent my time thinking about? When he's old, he won't depart. That's what I spent my time thinking about. When he's old, he won't depart. And as I was thinking about it, I'm thinking, well, how, God, how can you guarantee me? that when they're old, they won't depart. How can you guarantee me that? I can't be with them 24 hours a day. I can't make sure they do the right thing. Oh, yeah, I could teach them and all that, but I can't make sure that they enforce these things in their life. What, what's the guarantee? And over and over and over again, I'm trying to compute, figure, reason. Until finally, the Lord said to me, I must have opened up someplace where I gave him access to talk. Because, you know, sometimes you can talk so much, he don't have a place to get in. You know people like that. Just hoping they'll take a breath so you can say, I got to go. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so 
So my mind is just running, running, running. I'm talking, talking, talking. How is this going to happen? I don't see how this is going to work. And, blah, blah. and finally, the Lord was able to say to me, if you'll do the training, I'll do the keeping. I was like, oh, my part is to train the child. Your part is to make sure they don't depart. That's not my part. What was I worried about? God's part. That's what I was so worried about. I should just be considered concerned with my part to train up the child. Isn't that right? Yes. Amen. There's that scripture in Isaiah. By his stripes you were healed. He bore your sicknesses and diseases, your calamities and anxieties. He carried your pains and your sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was pierced for our iniquities. And by his stripes we are healed. Glory to God. Well, how does that work? How does that happen? How do we act on that? You know, what's the guarantee? I mean, sickness is all around. I mean, by your stripes, I'm healed. <coughs> by your stripes, I'm <coughs> You know, you know how that goes. And I'm trying to figure this out. And the more you try to figure it out, guess what? When I was trying to figure out by your stripes, you're healed. When I was trying to figure out when they're old, they won't depart, as you are trying to figure, compute, and reason that, you are not accepting the Word of God. And therefore, you are keeping the seed from being sown into the soil. Because your mind will not accept what it does not understand. Your mind will not accept anything other than what it can reason and figure. Therefore, your acceptance is not on the Word of God. Your acceptance is only on what you think. And that will not work. That will not happen. Oh, it'll happen, but not in the way you want it to. You understand what I'm saying? So the more I'm reasoning those things, I'm not accepting the word of God. In fact, you'll even forget what the word says. Now, it's one thing to meditate on the word. It's another thing to try to reason it. Once I got that from the Lord, I do the training. He does the keeping, then I would meditate on train up a child in the way he should go. This is my job. I train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. When my kids would start acting up and I didn't want to really deal with it, I'd have to think, train up a child in the way they should go. Train up a child in the way they should go. Train up a child even when they're not acting up so that when they do act up, you can deal with that. See, train up a child, train up a child, train up a child. That became the thing I would meditate on. And I would stop trying to reason what the Word of God says and just go back to meditating on the Word. Meditate the Word, meditate the Word. The understanding of the Word is going to come out from your spirit, not from your dull head. All right, my dull head. But if the Word of God is spiritual, and if God is a spirit and you're a spirit being, you're a spirit being. The spirit being is the child of God. Your soul is your pet. That's all it is. You and your pet live in this house called the body. You ever go to somebody's house that has a pet? Did you ever walk in the house and say to the pet, the dog, the cat, whatever it might have been, would you give this message to so-and-so? No, you, somebody would... You know, they'd come with the straitjacket. 
So then why do you expect God to talk to your little pet mind to get a message to you? You're the child of God. He wants to talk to you. He don't want to talk to your pet. He wants to talk to you. He talks within your spirit. The things of God comes from the realm of the spirit. It comes through your human spirit where the spirit of God dwells. The part of you that was cleansed, washed, and clean by the power of God. Regenerated by the Holy Ghost. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Are you with me? To reason on the word of God is the lowest capacity there is in trying to function in God's word. It's the lowest capacity. Because you can't reason it and figure it out. When you reason it, reason it, and reason it in your mind, and go, oh, I know what the word says. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. Your mind don't know. The things that God has prepared for those who love him, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Your senses can't know it. But by the Spirit, he has revealed it. And that's how he reveals everything, by the Spirit. Who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say that. But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my father, which is in heaven, that's a spiritual revelation that came directly from God to Peter. And he wasn't even saved. Are you so foolish, O Galatians, that you've begun by the Spirit? Are you going to go back to the things of the flesh and try to figure out the things of God? So low, the lowest capacity that there is in trying to operate in the kingdom of God, reasoning. Because it has nothing to do with casting the seed in the soil. Verses 20 and 21. Hallelujah. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places. This is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Trials, which is afflictions, persecutions are from people. These things come for what reason? The word. They come because of the word. So we start to operate in our minds trying to figure out what's going on. We try to reason our way through it. And what do we do? Let go of the word. The word gets stolen from us and we fail to increase in our capacity of receiving from God. Because the word, whenever the word gets stolen, your capacity is being diminished. Are you with me? Now, it says that when they heard the word, they received it with great joy. Oh, oh, this is so wonderful. Oh, glory to God. This is what I've needed. Oh, this is so good to hear this. Oh, I've heard, I've never heard anybody say anything like this. This is just wonderful. This just, just talks to me. And then you walk out the door. And afflictions talk to you. And persecutions talk to you. The symptoms come back. 
you go home and realize your checkbook hasn't changed. What you do in the first few moments is what will determine your course. How you react to those things will determine your course. Will we hold to the word of God or will we fall away and get offended? These are principles of operation in the kingdom of God. If we fall away, then we have a low capacity to receive the word of God. Reasoning was the lowest. But just receiving the word with joy in your emotions is a low capacity of receiving the word. Amen. The message translation, it says, this is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm. But there is no soil of character. So when the emotions wear off and some difficulties arise, there is nothing to show for it. Boy, that is plain, and that is so true. That is the truth of what is being talked about here. There's no soil of character. That's when it says that he has no firm root in himself. There's no soil of character there. So the emotions wear off when difficulties arise. This is the fickleness of emotions, instability of emotions, flopping this way or that way depending on what's going on. And therefore, there's nothing to show for it because there's no fruit. Emotions are changeable. They're subjected to surrounding circumstances. They're temporary. They do not stay the course. They will not stay the course. It's impossible for emotions to stay the course unless they're controlled through your spirit. The continual sowing of the seed of the word of God will build within us the capacity to keep what we're believing for. You know, in Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and said, you have received the word for what it is, the word of God, which is able to perform its work in us. The word of God is able to perform its work in us. In us. How? The soil produces of itself. The word of God is able to perform its work in us. Why are we so frustrated? Why are we so discouraged? Why are we so discontented? Because we're trying to get the word of God to work for us instead of working in us. And we don't change, but we want everything else in the stinking world to change. But we didn't change. And when we don't change, nothing changes. Amen. And if there's one thing that your carnal Christian hates to hear is the fact that they need to change. They don't want to sit in a church that will tell them they need to change. They want to sit in a church that will tell them everything's rosy, God loves you, his favor is on you, and bless God, just walk under the water spout and everything will come pouring out. In your dreams. And as long as you can stay pumped up every week, you'll be good. Until you know what hits the fan. Then you can't get pumped up enough. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
the number one thing that God wants for you is for you to change. Because when we change, life changes. Amen. Are you with me? So the continual sowing of the seed of the word of God will build within us the capacity to keep what we're believing for because the word of God performs in us the work. Keep the seed in the soil of your heart. Why do offenses come? To steal the word. Offenses come to steal the word. I can't tell you how many people in the last 40 years of being in the pulpit, of being told, that offends me, that offends me. That offends me. I'm offended over that. I can't listen to that. That's offensive. That, that offended me. I'm offended over that. Well, they were offended over the word. And you know that over 40 years is the temptation to change so that people don't get offended. But here's the deal. And everybody knows this. You've known this since you was a kid. You could please all the people some of the time. And you could please some of the people some of the time. But you can't please all the people all the time. So you make a switch so that these people don't get offended. But now what about those people? Might as well just stay on course with the word and everybody yeah. make their choice. Amen. Amen. Offenses come to steal the word. Verse 22. The seed cast in the wheat. No, there we go. Thank you. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns. This is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now, this person has the word inward, but not yet outward. And they start getting into reasonings, wondering, worrying about things. How is this going to work? How is this going to make a change? Do you ever talk to somebody and they've got something going on in their life and you say, well, what's, let's pray about this. And they're like, oh, I don't, I, no, I don't need prayer. I need something right now. Because we're so outward minded. We have no understanding about the power of God within. How is this going to happen? That can't really mean what it says. God supplies all my needs. No, that, that can't really mean that. I knew a guy that, that he would say uh, uh, about spare the rod, hate the child. And they'd say, no, 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 I do not spank my children. Uh, and that rod doesn't mean a rod. It just means correction with your words. You, you never spank your child. Well, his child's grown up to be a total mess as well as the rest of his family. Deny the word. There's a way that seems right to a man. Right? It can't really mean that. It can't really mean a rod. Well, you know, in the Hebrew, in the Greek, in the Aramaic, any way you look at it, it means get a stick and beat him. <laughs> and that's what it says. I mean, the Bible says if you beat him with the rod, he will not die but you will deliver his soul from hell. Now, that doesn't mean you're supposed to enjoy beating him. We can go over to Ephesians and talk about that, but we're not today. So what happens when you start getting these questions? You start wondering, 
and then you start wandering, start moving away from the word. And then they start worrying. They start to worry. They start looking for different avenues. Maybe there's something else. You know, I know what the word of God says, but you need wisdom. I hope none of you say that. Because the only wisdom you need is the word of God. The word of God is wisdom. Understanding is a revelation of the word and knowledge is the applicable uh, application of, excuse me, of the word of God. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. My Old Testament talks about that in Proverbs. So it's not that you need wisdom because when people say that, I know what the word says, but I need, but you got to have wisdom. And what it means is you got to lean to the things of the flesh in order to make this work because I can't just trust God. Right? Amen. Amen. This person here, he had the seed sown, but it was sown among the thorns. And notice what it says. It became unfruitful. In other words, it was fruitful, but it became unfruitful. Why? Because he started setting his mind on the things he could see. He started believing that money would be his answer. It's called the deceitfulness of wealth. He started believing money would be his answer. I can buy what I need. Well, I could just go buy what I need. I, I, don't, I don't need this, you know. God supplies my needs. I got the money. I'll just go buy what I need. And then when I have no money, it's like, oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, Jesus, help me. Oh, Jesus. And then you get some money. It's like, oh, I can take care of this. When are you going to get it together? Yeah. You keep going back to what keeps running out. And the more you set yourself on that, the more it's going to run out. Some people think if I had enough, if I had enough, I had. you will never have enough when you're covered in worry, fear, anxiety, and the deceitfulness of thinking wealth is your answer. You will never have enough. And you will live in fear till the day you go see Jesus. And who then will get that which you have prepared? So the seed that was sown was fruitful, but because he starts looking at other things, he gets... Uh, the seed to become unfruitful. Why? Because he's no longer sowing. He's now looking, looking outwardly, looking at his money, looking at what he has, looking at what he can do. I don't have to wait. Yeah, you know, I went into a store one time and, they, and, and I needed a new tabletop sander for my uh, workshop. My other one had broken, so I needed one. And I walked in the store and there was one sitting there. There's a great price on it. And I was like, oh, I could get that. And the Spirit of God said, why don't you believe me for it? And I'm like, eh, eh, it's right there. There's only a couple left here. This is a popular item. It's going to go fast. And, you know, he didn't say anything after that. Why? Because now I'm in the area of choice. He already said what he needed to say. I'm whining and saying what I'm saying, but I'm in the place of choice now. What am I going to do? And I said, okay, Lord. I'm going to believe you for it. I'm not going to just run out and buy it. I'll believe you for it. I'll believe you for the money for it. You say, yeah, but you had the money. So? More money can't come in? See, this is why you limit God. You limit God because you think what you have in your hands is enough. It ain't never enough. I don't know if you've noticed, but old Uncle Joe is taking more and more. I don't know if you've noticed this lately. 
Once your head's in the sand, you should know. This is not good what's going on out there. And they will see to it that what you have in your hand will never be enough. So I went home and just kind of just forgot about it. And a few weeks later, the Spirit of God said to me, go get that sander. I was like, okay, I'll go get it. And I go down there, and there's one left. You say, well, you, you just made that. But I only needed one. That's all I needed was one. Amen. Are you with me? The man hears the word, the worry of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word. They get themselves under great pressure, running after other methods to try to bring in their answers. They wander from the word, and the word gets choked. Now, he did receive it, but then it became unfruitful. So now we're in a place of average capacity. We've gone from the lowest to a low to an average capacity. Amen. The Living Bible says, the ground covered with thistles represents a man who hears the message. But the cares of this life and his longing for money choke out God's word. And he does less and less for God. So he was doing something for God. But now increases come into his life. Now, well, bless God, I, I got money I can go spend on this. I got money I can go spend on that. I got money to travel over here. I got money to build this. I got money, I, you know, I can do all that. And he's doing less and less and less for God. What's happened is his freedom gave opportunity to his flesh. He was very busy doing things for God before when he didn't have much. Oh, if I had more, I would. If I had more, I would. No. No. If you did, you'd have been believing God to have more so you could. He's too busy now with the things that he's gotten, the things that was produced. He's too busy now having to take care of it. And I've known people like this. Oh, God has blessed me so much. And you're like, well, we haven't seen you lately. Oh, God's blessed me so much. I have to take care of those things that he's given me. No. So you've taken it into your own hand. Your flesh has now once again taken over. Huh? You have no time to be helped to other people. And those people are in the position you used to be in. And you got delivered out, but now no time to help them. You were on your way to hell. So how much time have you spent to try to help somebody else not go to hell? Or are you too busy with your stuff? Money used to be his problem. Now his problem is a heart issue. Are you with me? Money never will make you happy. It's a right heart condition that'll make you happy. Money, stuff you get, stuff you do, stuff you're able to perform, whatever, that's not going to make you happy. It's the heart condition that makes you happy. Your bucket list will not make you happy. Because when it's time to kick it, what will you have left? Oh, but I've done what I wanted to do while I was here. Well, now you've got an eternity, and what are you going to do? Okay, let's get off that. 
It's called busy with the blessing, not busy with the one who blessed you. The prodigal son squandered his wealth, spent it wastefully, not used for its proper purposes. Money has a proper purpose to it. This is why Jesus said this, if you are not faithful with the use of unrighteous mammon, who will trust you with the true riches? Money is not the true riches. You say, yeah, but I need money in this world. To no, you don't. The board says come and buy without money. Well, how's that going to happen? There you go again. Reasoning, computing, understanding, wandering and wondering, and yet it's not your job. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The sowing of the seed of the word of God will build within us the capacity to grow and bring into the natural realm what we believe. Amen. John chapter 5, verse 43. Let's read it in the message translation. John 5, 43. He said, I came with the authority of my father, and you either dismiss me or avoid me. If another came acting self-important, you would welcome him with open arms. Do we look to receive from those that come with their self-important papers of degrees and education and put Jesus on the back burner? Who do we put first? Who has first place in our life? What do we put first? Whose report do we take? You go to the doctor, you hear his report. Well, how does that report fit in with the word of God? Yeah, but the doctor said, what does God say? Yeah, well, God gave us doctors, did he? Did he? He probably did, or else 99% of the church would be dead. Of course, the church, for the most part, don't know how to believe God. Yeah, well, God can send you to a doctor. Of course he can, because he knows you can't believe him. And he'd rather you go to the doctor than die. But you continue to elevate the doctors like the doctors are the answer. And you go to God about a situation and you know he's going to send you to the doctor because that's what you want. Because you know you can't just trust God. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's better to be in the boat than to be dead. You just have to understand if you're in the boat, you need to understand you're in the boat. And if you ever want to get out again, you got to build your capacity. If you want to live in the boat, that's fine. But if you want to get out on the water, you're going to have to build your capacity. So how does the doctor's report fit in to the word of God? Thank you, Jesus. The doctor tells us about our symptoms that we have. But what does the Holy Spirit say? We know that the word of God says that he bore your sicknesses and diseases and by his stripes you're healed. Thank you, Jesus. So that's the goal. That's the goal, to be healed. How do you get there? Well, you got to be led by the Holy Spirit. Why does he lead some to go to the doctor and some not? Depending on where your faith is at. Because he's more honest with you about where your faith is than you're honest with yourself. Huh? You get an economic report. Your bills speak to you. Your checkbook speaks to you. It tells about our economic symptoms and our economic condition. Well, how does that fit in with the Word of God? What does the Holy Spirit say about these things? We know that the Word of God says in 3 John 2 that in all respects you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And, of course, that's defined as having a good journey. 
Life is a journey. You hear this all the time from people. I'm on my journey. What journey are you on? Whose journey are you in? You know, come on. You know, I understand that, that that's a scripturally defined word, but I really don't like that word. I'm so tired of hearing I'm on a journey, on a journey. I'm, I get tired of it. Maybe I'm tired of it because, you know, this is like one of those new words that come up that all of a sudden sounds very important. I'm on a journey. I'm just so old school. I'm old-fashioned, you know. So I don't go with the new language, the new lingo, and the, the, new, the new stuff and the way people want to, you know. Well, moving forward, looking ahead, how about as we do something? Let's just do something, you know. I'm in a forward motion. Well, I hope so. You know, anyway. So... I'm sorry. Yeah. Have a good journey. And life really is a journey. But how do you have a good journey in life? It's about your obedience. That you would be prosperous and be in good health as your soul prospers. How does your soul prosper? Be in obedience. Joseph. You know, remember Joseph in the Old Testament. His life and his individual complications in life, he had quite a few of them. And you can't figure out how obedience in those areas could lead him to the goal of being prosperous and being in good health. You, you can't figure out how is obedience going to lead you, but yet his obedience did lead him there. He wasn't obedient to God to go to jail. I'm not saying that God didn't put him in jail. God didn't uh, uh, put him into slavery. God didn't throw him in the pit. God didn't do any of that stuff. But his, he stayed obedient to God even in the midst of all the complications. And it led him to the goal, which was what? The dream. Would you ever figure that? He didn't figure that. He didn't realize that until his brother showed up. But yet that's precisely where obedience takes us. Because, see, there's times that we have an opportunity to be obedient to God and we think, oh, that doesn't really matter. I need to be obedient over here because this is what I'm believing for. Obedience affects what you're believing for. I don't care how small it is or how big it is. Obedience, period, affects what you're believing for. It's how you reach the goal. That's why the sowing of the seed is so important. The word is the goal. How do you get there? Led by the Holy Spirit. Looking within, not looking without. You can't be led out here. You're led in here. Knowing the theory of the word of God is not living at the goal. Oh, I know what the word says, but you're not living at the goal. You need to be led there. You need to be led from that place of theory and knowing to the goal. Yep. Amen. Amen. You might have to meditate on that. Yeah. Verse 23, Matthew 13 again. Verse 23. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So in this account of the parable of the sower, there are four different soils that the seed is sown on, but only one soil or 25% produced. 
what is the soil that produces? It's the man who hears the word and understands it. What does he understand? He understands how it all works. He understands how to apply it into his life. He's understanding these things. When he's hearing the word, he's understanding the application. He's understanding how the things in the kingdom work. He understands how to take the seed of this word and sow it into the soil. It says, this is the man who hears the word. Guess what? All four of them heard the word. So hearing the word is not the problem, neither is hearing the word your solution. Let me say that again. Hearing the word is not your problem, and neither is hearing the word your solution. It's only the start of the road to your solution. Hearing the word is not your solution. Don't think that sitting in church for an hour, one hour a week, and that's all that you hear, and you hear nothing all week long or anything else. Don't think that, oh, I got, uh, I've heard that, so... I have my solution. You don't have it until you do it. You don't have it until you apply it. You don't have it until you understand it and you walk in it. Hebrews 4.2 says that there were those that heard the word and it did not profit them. And then there were those that heard the word and it did profit them because they united faith with what they heard. Well, if you unite faith in what you heard, then you're on the, way, on the road to doing something. Because faith doesn't mean you sit there and go, oh, yeah, I agree with that. That's not faith. Faith, when faith comes alive, means you're on a path. Every person heard the word. Some produced, some did not. Some increased in their capacity. Some did not. Why? Because of understanding. Understanding. It means uh, the, the Greek word tsunami. And soon means together. And hemi means to put it or Put it all together, to put. So put it together. To comprehend, to understand, and to perceive is not a reflective understanding. It's a productive understanding. It's not sitting there, you know, this is an accidental meditation. And all of a sudden, oh, the universe is opening up to me. You know, this is not another drug trip. This is not a reflective understanding. It's a productive understanding. It's assembling of individual facts into an organized whole. So I've heard the word about healing. I've heard the word about prosperity. I've heard the word about being free from anxiety. I've heard the word about joy. I've heard the word about having peace in my life. I've heard the word, but I have to put it together. I have to put it together. Understand, taking the individual facts into a collective piece of a puzzle and putting them all together. It's not just having something, it's doing something. It's a complete understanding not mixed with any worldly, fleshly ideas. I know what the word says, but you got to have wisdom. That don't work. That is not pure faith. You are mixing it with worldly ideas. To understand is to have an actual and real revelation. And that is what brings results in our life. Some did not understand that they needed to keep the seed in the soil of their heart. So therefore, because the of that, the enemy comes to steal right away. 
because of afflictions and persecutions, the enemy steals it right away. Because of the deceitfulness of riches and the worry of the things of the world, the word gets stolen. They didn't understand. They got to keep it in the soil. The man of understanding knew how the kingdom worked. He knows you got to keep the seed in the soil and the soil will produce of itself. I understand that. I understand how this works. I hear the word about healing. I put it into the seed. I take that seed and put it in the soil. I hear the word about uh, abundance. I take that seed, put it in the soil. I hear the word about peace. I take that seed. I put it in the soil. I sow it. I sow it. I sow it. I sow it. God will grow it and grow it and grow it and grow it. I understand how this works. I've put all the pieces together. I'm working at this whole process, and my capacity is now at the highest level to receive from God. Hallelujah. See, you don't have a high capacity to receive from God because you know what the Word says about, I know what the Word says about abundance. Oh, I know what the Word says about healing. Oh, I know what the Word says about this or about that. Theory is not operating in the things of God. The Word of God is not your solution until you do the Word. God could have sat in heaven and go, I could create a whole earth here. I could create a whole race of human beings. I could have a whole family. Oh, it would be beautiful. It would be great. Oh, I'm glad I know that. And where would you be? Nowhere. Where would the earth be? Nowhere. Where would anything be? Nowhere. But yet God knew it. But if you don't do it, it means nothing. It's not about a reflective understanding. It's not about being able to theorize. It's about removing limitations by increasing the seed capacity. And that's what has to increase on the inside of us, the seed capacity. Satan is out to steal the seed so it can't grow. Jesus told us he uses worry. He uses fear. He uses doubt. He uses offenses. He uses persecutions. He keeps your mind busy so you have no time to meditate on what he said. Jesus said, be still and know. Be still and know. Amen. Now, listen, I'm not even talking about he's keeping you busy with sin, temptations. I'm just talking about the trials of life, the afflictions of life, circumstances of life. I'm talking about inflation rates. I'm talking about high gas prices. I'm talking about high food prices. I'm talking about monkeypox. I'm talking about every other stupid thing that they want to try to throw at you. But yet faith was made for these days. Faith was made to combat the morons that want to throw all this nonsense at you. That's what faith is created for. Well, this is what you have to develop in faith for. Because if it hasn't grown in you, it'll never grow from you. Stop waiting for God to come do something for you. It's got to grow from you. This is the man on whom seed was sown on the good soil. The good soil, it means that which is constitutionally good. It expresses beauty as a harmonious completeness, a balance, and a proportion. So it's good 
to the quality and character of soil. The soil was good soil. Why is it good soil? Why was it good soil? Because he understood. Because he understood. Understanding is what makes the soil good. Putting the pieces together. A quality of character of soil. Your spirit and your soul in agreement. Not talking about perfection. We're talking about a completion in the area of understanding. The mind is renewed and we're walking in it. The soil is not hard. The soil is not shallow. The soil is not thorny. It's good soil and it's good ground and the only ground that can grow. This is the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. This is the man who hears the word, understands it, who indeed, he indeed. This word indeed is the same word as verily or truly, truly. He truly, truly will bear. Truly, truly. Undoubtedly, undeniably, irrevocably, surely at once. And it's an emphasized word and it's an intensive word. He will surely, surely bear. To be productive, he bears fruit. He'll be productive in the bearing of fruit. And the way it's written is in the present tense, the indicative mood and the active voice. So it means in the indicative mood, it makes an, ass an assertion of fact. The only mood in which distinctions can regularly be made about the time when the action occurs. Okay? The Bible says that if anybody sets their heart on running after wealth, they will pierce themselves with many a pain. Now, that does not mean that when you set yourself on wealth, that down the road you're going to be pierced with many a pain. That means that at the moment you set your heart on wealth, you have pierced yourself, and the only outcome in your life is you'll be pierced. What you finally will manifest in your life happened the day you made your choice. That's what the indicative mood means. Are you with me? At the time of understanding, when, he, when he's in that place of understanding and receives the word into his spirit, that is the time of bearing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's also present tense, which means current action. As long as there's understanding and as long as you hold to the understanding, it is now. Now bearing. Now bearing. Now bearing. Now bearing. And it's also active, which means it is, it is accomplished by the one who heard. The one who heard and the one who understood, it's in the active voice and means it's all up to him on whether it's going to come about or not. God sent his word to the first person, and it was on the side of the road. He sent his word to the second person, and there was no quality of, of, of foundation in him. He sent it to the third person, and it was in thorny ground. But he sent it to the fourth person, and it was good ground. They all heard. God sent the word to all of them. But it was all up to the individual that determined whether they would bear or not. Stop saying it's up to God. It's not up to God. It's up to you. He's done his part. You have to do your part. Now, I understand there's no bearing without his word, without his power, without his grace. But that's what came with his word. 
you sow that seed into your soil, then it's sown in grace, it's sown in power, sown in the anointing. And that's why it can bear fruit. Amen. So as long as there's understanding, there's a bearing. Number one, hear the word. Number two, understand it and put it together. Have a complete, unmixed, absolute revelation on the word. So that means you had to hear it many times over and over and over again so you can come to this place. And then number three would be I certainly bear fruit. But not only does he bear fruit, he also brings forth. There's a major difference here. He heard the word, he understood it, and he indeed, truly, truly, at the time he understood and put all the pieces together, was a bearing of fruit. But not only does he bear fruit, he brings forth. To bring forth means to make it, to do it, to produce it, and to bring it about. It's spoken of any external act as having been manifested in the production of something tangible. When it becomes tangible, it is then obvious to your senses. And what is the biggest enemy? Is your senses trying to see it when it has not yet been brought forth. It's the biggest enemy you have to deal with. It's your unrenewed soul. It becomes obvious to the senses and it becomes a completed action because the table sander, there it is. At that point, faith for that was done because now it's manifested into the realm of the senses. The seed is not considered completed without a bringing forth. There is a bearing and a bringing forth. The bearing of the fruit is inward, but the bringing forth is outward. You bear it and you bring it forth. You bear it and you bring it forth. You bear it and you bring it forth. The bearing and bringing forth, that's the completed action. Not heard it, heard it is not the completed action. It could be by side the road. It could be on a shallow, uh, 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 shallow soil. It could be on thorny ground. But when I hear it, bear it, bring it forth, it's completed. So even when I hear it and it, on the inside it starts bearing fruit, and it's like, oh, wow, that's great. You're still not done. You're still not done. All that's doing is setting your steps, moving you in the direction you need to move in. Amen. Childbirth. You don't bear a child at the actual giving of birth. You bear a child at conception. And then at the birthing, you're bringing forth that which has been conceived. So when I hear the word and it's in the good soil of understanding, it then conceives. It bears. But then it has to grow. It has to become. And when the harvest is ripe, we put in the sickle because now it's come forth. Putting the pieces together. The Living Bible says the good ground represents the heart of man who listens to the message, understands it, and goes out and brings 30, 60, and even 100-fold into the kingdom. The message translation. 
The seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the news and then produces a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. The New Living Translation, the good soil represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a huge harvest, 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Why? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Another piece to put together. Bearing fruit of the word of God within. 30, 60, 100 fold. So therefore there's a bringing forth of the word of God outwardly. 30, 60, 100 fold. Amen. Why is it that when I sow a seed, it doesn't produce a 100 fold return? Because I'm not believing a hundredfold. Oh, yes, I am. I, I said a hundredfold. No, the seed of the word has not grown into a hundredfold return on the inside of you. The seed of the word. It's not about what you do, what you want, and what you think. And it's not about what you want to declare as a theory. It's about what's in you. Only what's in you can produce. If it's not a hundredfold in you, it's not a hundredfold for you. If it's 30-fold in you, then it's 30-fold to you. And this is why, you know, we've said things before about sowing of the seed. This, the seed, financial seed, just like any seed, will produce 30, 60, 100 fold. But it's based on what's in you. We've said this for years. It's even in my book, if you've read the book. And I've, I, and I know everybody that's ever attacked me over this never read my book. 30, 60, 100 fold in you is what produces 30, 60, 100 from you. If I'm believing God in the area of sickness uh, for healing, if 30, 60, 100, depends on what's alive in me, will produce 30, 60, 100. If I'm sowing a financial seed, 30, 60, 100 in me will produce 30, 60, 100 from me. If I'm believing God to be free from anxiety or fear, then 30, 60, 100 in me is what will produce 30, 60, 100 fold from me. All depends on the seed and the soil. It's all about the seed and the soil. You can't get away from this. This is how the kingdom operates. You measure what goes on inside of you by looking at your attitude, your motives, your thoughts, having your body under control, what you hunger and thirst for, and is it increasing? What are you pro pro uh, prioritizing? Where is your efficiency? Where is your faith, your peace, your rest? These are all inward things. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm just so worried about it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to do I, Oh, I just got so much to do. I just got, You need to get your mind under control. That's an inner problem. That is not based on outward stuff that you have to deal with. You have an inward problem. You know, there was one time that we were getting ready to go to Thailand. Now, when we get ready to go to Thailand, we were usually gone for two, two and a half weeks. So there's a lot to get ready in the church and at home before we leave. And um, I was working on stuff to get things ready, and there was kind of a lot to get done, you know. And I was a little behind on getting it done. And somebody called me up or sent me a text and said, I want to send you a uh, copy of my, uh, uh, the movie that I just wrote. And here is the transcript of it, and I'd like you to go through it. 
and tell me what I need to change. I'm like, Jesus, I don't need this now. I got a lot going on. I'm trying to get all this done. And I'm running, 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 trying to get everything done. I was in the middle of doing schoolwork. I was, you know, going for my degree. So I had a whole lot of stuff trying to figure out what I'm going to take with me, work on it on the plane. Uh, and I'm just running. And the Lord said to me, oh, I know what it was. I went to the Lord. <laughs> I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, this is really an issue. I'm really having a problem with all of this stuff. And the Holy Spirit said to me, if you get out of the frenzy mode and get in the faith mode, you do a lot better. I'm like, uh, yeah, of course. I'm in the frenzy mode. My mind is, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to take, I'm trying to take care of that. I got to get this set. I got, oh, it's not the outward stuff that's the problem. It's right here. Because nothing out here changed. But when I started doing it by faith, Everything came into order, and I didn't even have to run, worry, and be concerned about anything. And everything worked out very well. The problems are never out here. The problems are always in here. Are you with me? Measuring the inner bearing, but you also measure the outward bringing forth based on physical health. What increase comes into your life? Your ability to increase in giving. Seeds sown, seed giving for the sower. Time for service to God and others. Giving up yourself to help others and obey God. The abundance for every good work. Not only money, but time and everything else that might be needed to be a help to somebody else. Those are all outward bearing. You understand? I've always kept for years and years and years a seed time and harvest book where I would write down what I've sown. I'd write down where it got sown in because you got to know the soil. You don't want to be running no uh, backhoe over your seeded ground. So I would write down where I sowed seed, how much seed I had sown, and what I was believing for. And I would keep a running track. And then on another page, I would write down what came in and how much came in. You understand? And I would keep track. Now, when we talk about 30, 60, 100 fold, we're not talking about 30% increase. We're talking about 30 fold. A 30 fold. So if I, for instance, and, and you know, we're not using this as a, as a formula. This is an example. To make these things clear. I give $20, 30-fold of $20 is not $6. $6 is 30%. But 30-fold is $600. You understand? So that's what we're talking about when we say 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Your health, the more the seed of the word gets inside of you, your health should increase 30, 60, 100 fold. It should continue to increase more and more. It's one of the outward measures of bringing forth. Okay? So, so I would keep track of what I'd sown and then really what came in as a harvest. Okay? Now, I would never keep track of my tithes. Never. Because tithing is not seed sown. I'd never keep track of a tithe. Tithe is the very basics of honoring your high priest. You understand? 
And I would also never put down my regular income as seed. I mean, as a harvest. I would never use regular. So if I get a check every week from work, that's not my harvest. This is just normal check. My tithe should take care of my normal operations. That's what the tithing should do. So I would never look at the, uh, uh, or the regular income as fruit. Fruit was over and above. Why? Because seed sowing is over and above the tithe. So whatever I sowed as seed, then that should produce 30, 60, or 100 fold. So that's why we always say all the time, if you would like to sow an extra seed, because you cannot, t- like when we did the, uh, uh, the mortgage for the building, you can't take your tithe and put it into that. Because the tithe goes to the storehouse for the purpose of the storehouse. But now here's a sale. If we were doing a harvest festival, harvest festival is going to be coming up. If we would say, if you'd like to sow a seed into the harvest festival, you can't sow your tithe into the harvest festival. You understand? And this is why we always say, and over and above the tithe, if you would like to sow an extra seed into these things. Why? Because your harvest is going to be over and above. Over and above the tithe. You understand? Amen. So it all starts, of course, with faith in what the word of God declares and getting that word in your soil, keeping it in your soil, and the soil will produce of itself. Increase in the capacity to bear fruit, and you will increase in the capacity to bring forth. Hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it until you understand it. And see how things get put together. And at that point, you will start to bear fruit. And if you will follow that path, keep it in there, follow that path, listen to the Holy Spirit, you will bring forth some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Folks, this is one of the most important things you can learn in the kingdom of God. And it's one of the most important things you have to learn to understand and put it all together. And this is why we've always said it. The parable of the sower is the most important parable to understand. Jesus said that. So it's got to be true. (laughs) So it is the most important because it relates to everything in life. And every other parable and every other example is all secondary after the parable of the sower. Amen. Amen. I hope this helped you today. My desire was to bring further increase and understanding to you in these areas so that you can take hold of it. Because my desire is to watch you succeed in life. My desire is to watch you to overcome in life. My desire is to see you walk as the head and not the tail above and not beneath. To be the more than conqueror that God has made you to be. And we understand it does not happen automatically, but it will happen as we take hold of the principles and operations of the word of God in the kingdom of God. And it shall be so. Amen. 
Amen, amen. Glory to God, glory to God. Just raise your hands, for, lift your hands for a minute. If you're in the room or on live stream podcast, just be before the Lord right now. Just lift your hands to him, honor him, praise him, give him all the glory for his great and precious plan, his wonderful operations of his kingdom, that he has set all of this in motion and given us the opportunity to be able to take hold of it, that he's revealed it to us by the Spirit so that we can walk in these things, take hold of these things, that we can have these things in our life, that we can walk in all these operations and principles of the kingdom he said it to us he told us about it therefore it is all possible glory to God glory to God glory to God hallelujah hallelujah we bless you Lord we bless you Lord we thank you Lord Jesus all praise all glory all honor to you Lord there is none like you holy one glorious king and mighty God oh we thank you Lord we thank you Lord thank you Lord you are more than enough. You are the all-sufficient one. You are El Shaddai. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for that which has been sown within our heart. Now, Holy Spirit, I look to you to help to keep that word within us, that we come against the thieves, we come against the locusts, that it shall not eat and destroy that which has been produced on the inside of each and every person in this room, on live stream or on podcast, that the enemy has no place and has no right. Devil, we say to you right now, you have no place except to stand by and watch in these areas the salvation of the Lord take place in their life. You have no right and no place in their lives except to stand by and see the bearing of fruit and see the bringing forth of it, and you will not stop it. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for it. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody declare it. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we bless you. Father, we honor you. And thank you for all that you are and all that you do. We thank you for your loving compassion, your graciousness towards us. Father, we just thank you for your anointing, for your outstretched hand, for your eye that is always on us and your ear that is always open to us. Father, we come before you right now with our giving to bring our tithes and our offerings to you, to honor you, for you are our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And we just bless you. We bless you, Lord. And we thank you for the opportunity that you allow us to come before you into your very presence. That it's not just the priest that can go into the Holy of Holies, but we are priests and kings before our God. And Jesus tore down that veil so that we can step into your presence and bring our gifts and that you receive them. And we're so grateful that you do. Thank you, Lord, that our giving is a memorial that comes up with our prayers before the throne of the Most High God. We thank you, Father. That you watch over your word to perform it. We thank you for the promises that are connected to tithing, promises that are connected to sowing. And we thank you, Father, that you watch over your word to perform it on our behalf. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 If you joined us on live stream or podcast, thanks for being with us today. 
I do pray that the word has really touched you and really brought some understanding to you and helped to open your eyes to see the operation of the kingdom so that you can more clearly step into these operations and principles and take hold of them in your life and see the results of the bearing and the bringing forth. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. We thank in advance for the seed that you would sow. If you did want to sow an extra seed into the building fund, you can do so. And in the description on the giving, uh, as you go over to uh, put your information in for giving, in the description box, you can put building, and we'll make sure that that's where it goes. We thank in advance for any seed that you may sow. And uh, if there's anything at all that we can stand in prayer with you about, please let us know.